no question, season three of Bardown Beauties was epic. From Miko Koivu's Jersey retirement to Dean Ebsen's real thoughts about that office character, we had so much fun bringing you informative and mostly entertaining conversations. Let's recap, shall we? As always, we're brought to you by New Voice Studios, presented by Soda Stick and Talk North in collaboration with Greenbelt and Peak Vestibular Center. This is season three, episode 139. Hello, everybody. What's up? We're back. Episode 139. It's just me today. You want to know why? Because, drum roll, please, we are putting a bow on season three. We're going to do a quick wrap for those of you that are new to Bar Down Beauties. Let's take a look back at some of our past guests from this year, some of our conversations, some of the fun that we absolutely have. If you are new, this is a new concept to you. What we do is basically go back, take clips. I'll break down why I love them. And uh, that's it. You watch, you enjoy this. This is just part one. We'll have part two next week, maybe even part three before we kick off season four in collaboration with the NHL season finally starting. So I'm excited. Let's get rolling into it. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. My first break at a couple of the episode clips that I particularly loved from season three. Calling all buttes. The Beauty League has begun its weekly games at Braemar Ice Arena in Edina, and Soda Stick wants to make sure you're geared up. As the exclusive to Beauty League merchandiser, Soda Stick will have you covered with hats, tees, and much more each week at DBL and online at sodastick.com. Don't forget code Bardon Beauties for 15% off all your purchases. I'm going to kick things off with my favorite clip with Mr. Dean Evson, head coach of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, as you all may or may not have noticed, Dean Evson bears a very, very uncanny resemblance to a certain office character. I, of course, had to kick off our conversation with Dean, acknowledging just that, which he gave his thoughts there. Also on some other viral moments that Dean Evson had as head coach of the Minnesota Wild uh, in the season. So take a look. The man working to take the wild to the Stanley Cup promised land. The one, the only office character lookalike, Mr. Dean Evson. Dean, what's up, man? How are you doing? I think I hate that reference. <laughs> I knew you. I was going to ask you. We'll you know what? My, my, my kids, um, all their friends have said that <laughs> years ago, and I have no idea. I don't watch The Office, Yeah. Um, but I obviously have since. But uh, yeah, I get a lot of ribbing about it. I don't see the resemblance. You don't? See, I think you do look like him. And I will say it's a compliment. And I am a big Office fan. It's my favorite show ever. And Creed has like one line an episode, but it's always a good one. So if you're going to be compared to an Office character, that's a good one to go with. He yeah, always I, has a funny line. I heard he's got uh, a lot of personality. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> just like me. Yeah, I'm with you, Dean. I've never seen The Office. I just have seen the memes go around. I'm like, holy cow, he does kind of look like that guy. Yeah, yeah, right, I see right, that, right? right? Do you yeah. enjoy those? I mean... It's got to give you a little chuckle once in a while, right? I have, you know what, when the, something happened last year on one of my press conferences after the game, I said a bunch of things and my, my youngest daughter sent me a text. She goes, dad, you're a meme. I swear <laughs> I had no idea what it meant. I don't do any social media. I'm in no platforms whatsoever. Um, my wife or the assistant coaches will tell me if I need to know something that's been said about me or that I've said that's really stupid. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but after that, I honestly, I stay off it all, um, good, bad, otherwise, and yeah. just try to concentrate on what I need to do. Was it Probably about the best, guys? Honestly, <laughs> was it about guys getting hammered down low night after night? That one. Some, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then yeah. when your 21 year old daughter tells you what it was, I'm like, nah, that wasn't good. Was I will good. say, I remember that Dane and I looked at each other. We're like, that's hilarious. <laughs> he doesn't realize what he said, but you know what? Uh, I went home and like uh, I was sent to me all over the place. <laughs> after, and so I was laying in bed and I actually started thinking about it and I read what I actually said and I started giggling out loud. I, I, it was great. That's amazing. Well, Dean, how was last season for you? I mean, it was weird for all of us. We're getting tired, I'm sure, of saying what a weird year it was, but it what it was weird. I mean, but you guys really exceeded these expectations, did well. I mean, you made it to the playoffs, made it to seven games of the first round. I mean, overall, how do you look at last year? Um, very positively. Um, yeah, it was we I like to say it's different. Um, it was a very different year. Um, but exciting, obviously, um, for us. Um, we really enjoyed it as a coaching staff, having the, um, the two games all the time back to back. It was fun to prepare for that second game. It was fun to make adjustments. Um, and, and we had a really good group to coach. Our group was um, energetic. We played hard. We played, I think, a very exciting brand of hockey. And we were fortunate to um, have some success, obviously, um, you know, the entire season and to get into the playoffs and lose to Vegas, you know, clearly it was a disappointment. Our ultimate goal every year is to, to win the Stanley Cup. It was last year, it is this year. Um, but we took step uh, in that direction. We, uh, we, we got beat by a team that's been there before, has that experience. We now have some. Um, so we're hoping to get back there to do exactly the same thing, but uh, obviously a different outcome. My next clip, we got to go down to Iowa, down 35 to check in with Tim Army, head coach of the Iowa Wilds in the American Hockey League. Uh, Tim's always bringing insightful information on these prospects on the future Minnesota Wild players, as we're all aware that uh, currently right now, the future is uh, is needing to step up and make an impact. So Tim Army gave us a good look at some guys down there. Some names you might know, some names you might not. Also, I had to appreciate that I did this on a hotel floor and made the most of it while I was up visiting my parents. So please enjoy the dedication to bringing you the content. Here's that clip with Tim Army. For so long, there really hasn't been that many exciting picks. They really haven't had many first rounders, right? They were traded away and, yes. and prospects really weren't a thing. So I think for the first time in a very long while, people are very, very excited. I know people are drooling over the prospect of Marco Rossi being up the middle. They're drooling over Matt Boldy joining that and Callan Addison stepping into the lineup. Of those three players who obviously, again, as Lex has mentioned, are the most talked about. Um, and we discussed this in our own segment three as well. I'd love to get your take. Who do you think has a better shot at making maybe the opening night roster? I mean, again, as we mentioned, Rossi, obviously up the middle, there's a very desperate need for Minnesota to have that. Um, you've got Boldy, who, who's been performing well. Callan Addison might be a little bit tougher with the defense that they stocked up in the offseason. Who would your best bet be for a possible opening night roster look? I think that I think it's going to come down to how they play. Okay, I think all three have a legitimate opportunity. And when you look at numbers, yeah, you know, you look at the defensive side of it. Uh, how will it play out? I think, you know, the six exhibition games to play. Mm -hmm. What's the health of the team coming out of training camp? So how does that affect personnel? Uh, but I think Billy and management and Dean and his coaching staff, I think they're very open-minded. And I think those three, and guys like Connor Dewar and Brandon Duhame are going to get a really good opportunity to show what their strengths are 
and how that can impact the big the big wild. And if they earn it, uh, I think that I think they're all going to have an opportunity to play to their strengths. They're going to be put in positions that play to their strengths. And uh, if if they play to their capabilities, not all of them are going to make it because of numbers. But you will see that, uh, yeah, you could see some guys that that are with the opening opening night roster. So uh, I think they're all different. So it's hard to it's hard to say. Well, they're all different uh, players in a sense, and they bring different things to to they bring they they have different strengths. Mm-hmm. But I can I, this much I would say is they're going to get good opportunities to prove that they can earn it and they can stay here. And, and that's what it is. That's what makes a good organization that no one's given anything. You have to earn it. No matter who you are, where you're drafted, how much money you make, the best 20 are going to go on the ice every night. If you're going to win, the best 20 have to go on the ice. It doesn't matter any of that other stuff. It does not matter. It only matters who gives you the best chance to win every night. We do the same thing in Iowa. That's our philosophy. The best 20 are going to play on a given night that give us the best chance to win. And that's that kind of earn it mentality. So they're all pushing. They're all progressing. They're all tracking in the right direction. And they all have an opportunity to make an impact during camp and during the games. And if they if they have that kind of impact, then one, maybe two, possibly three could end up sticking on the opening roster. So I couldn't tell you which one in particular. <laughs> But I would say that they're all gonna, they're all gonna, they're all gonna have a good look at it. And we always say, when in Des Moines, when someone gets called up, uh, we always tell them. So the way we try to approach our, Iowa is that when they're ready to go, we always say, well, "You're not going up to dip your toe in the water. You're going up to make an impact. You're not going up to blend. Mm-hmm. Go up and have an impact. These guys have to have an impact over the next couple of weeks." to stick. And that's the way it is. It's the national hockey league. It's the best league in the world. The best players are in the national hockey league. The pyramid is really tight. It's unforgiving in the national hockey league. So you really have to be ready. They're going to get a good look. Now it's up to them and they're all in a good spot mentally and physically. They're all ready for it. Their games are in a great spot and they can achieve it, but they have to go out and get the work done now. You know, you compared Boldy to Renton, and what about then? You could add Kaprizov and Rossi, Landis Gog McKinnon, boom, top line <laughs> right there, right? Why not? Ex- exactly. <laughs> and, when you, and when you know, when you talk about young guys, you forget too, like Kaprizov's in his second year, right? At Erickson X, still really young. Yeah. Uh, Greeny's still young. <laughs> Greenway's really young. So it's still, it does, so you kind of forget those guys because they're playing now. Nico Sturm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, good, exciting players that are everyday players here now, info yep. players in Minnesota, but that's an unbelievably young core of right. players. Capo, uh, you know, mm-hmm. an unbelievably young core. That's really exciting with the mix of veteran guys mm-hmm. we have around them. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. And as the makings, not only obviously of building off of last year and being another really good team this year, but for years to come. And that, that is, it's gotta be really exciting for the fans because uh, the team this year will build off of the team last year. And this team's going to be another really good hockey team uh, that's going to cut its path through, through the central division, through the national hockey league. 
but this isn't this isn't just a one or one or two year thing with the depth of prospects now and the the, the players that are in their prime here it's an extremely bright future that's going to have a that's going to have staying power and that that's got to be really exciting and it's an exciting style of hockey it's based on pace and 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 possession uh it, it's different than it's been and that's really, I, I, I would imagine for Wild fans, that is really exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting for us in Iowa. It's exciting for our staff yeah. when we follow it. I mean, it's just for the whole organization. There's a, there's just a feel around the facility about the direction we're moving. Billy's done an unbelievable job of redirecting the organization and his staff, and Dean and his staff. The complimentary, the compliment between between management and coaches, and you know the, the the rhythm that we have throughout an organization, you can feel it. It's tangible, and that that bodes really well, not only for the coming season but for the future of the franchise. Did you picture Billy as a GM when you were coaching him at the World Championships in '96? Uh, I well, I tell you what, I go way back. I recruited Billy. He was playing for the Springfield Olympics. I was an assistant coach at Providence College, mm-hmm. late 80s. So I, I watched Billy play when he was 16, 17 years old. Wow. And unfortunately, he chose Boston College <laughs> over Providence College. And Billy was only played two years there, but obviously was a was a great player. And no, at the time I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought <laughs> he'd be a, a general manager. And then I coached him at the 04, it was at the 04 World Championships where I coached, I mean World Cup of Hockey. Yep. Where I was an assistant on Ron Wilson staff. In fact, we played out of Excel. Um so Billy was you know, that was that great group of Americans. Uh, Mike Madano and and you know Chris Chelios, that Brett Hall, that whole group, Doug Wait, that that group of I'm missing some obviously, but that was a great core. They won the '96 World Cup, and then that was towards the end of that generation. Um, but coached them in '04. No, wouldn't have thought that then. But then I worked for I worked for Billy and Wilkesbury in 2017-18. He was the GM, assistant GM in Pitt, but the mm-hmm. GM in Wilkes-Barre. I was working for Clark Donatelli. And then after all those years, now I see Billy as an executive. And I didn't think he was very far away from being a general when I was working for him in Wilkes-Barre. So that did not. So when he came here and the job that he's done here in, in St. Paul, I, I, I um, it does not surprise me at all. You know, he's got a great high, loves the game, he's got a great hockey mind and has, and has a vision for, has a vision for how he wants the team to, to play and look. And certainly him and Dean are in great rhythm together and how he wants to run an organization, how he wants to treat people, how we care about one another, um, how it is important to it, the way that Billy, his personality, uh, he's so engaging. Uh, no, it does not surprise me with what he's done here and, as as coaches have to, and certainly general managers, you cannot be afraid to make tough decisions. Mm-hmm. It's for the better of your franchise and your team. You're in a position you sometimes have to make very difficult decisions, but you have to make them to move forward. And he certainly has that that self trust, that confidence, the, the moxie, mm-hmm. and the sense of what's right for his team. So. Uh, when I saw him in Wilkes-Barre, I didn't think he was very far away from getting an NHL 
general manager's position. I know he had interview for a few, and uh, that's usually the process. So, uh, and he's done a terrific job of sort of reinventing, uh, redirecting. Uh, the you don't want to say rebuild, right? It's not a rebuild. <laughs> I don't like, no, rebuild. I think you're, you're, yeah, rebuilds. I don't like rebuild because it's sort of like losing's okay. <laughs> If, if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. yeah. a rebuild. So losing's okay, but losing's never okay. If if it's if it's on, it's on. So if you're gonna play like that's what we said to the kids last week. We're playing two games. We're playing Chicago. So there's there's two alternatives. Either one, or you lose. Mm-hmm. Winning's a lot more fun. So let's let's take the right. Let's let's put ourselves in a position for the right alternative. If, you know, so I don't believe in that retool, readjust, redefine. You know, you're changing an identity, you're changing uh, an atmosphere, uh, but you're still expecting to win. And Billy said, as, as from day one, that's been his that's been his approach. And so it doesn't take anybody off the hook. I think sometimes rebuild takes people off the hook. You know, I don't like to I don't like to use structure when you talk about your team and your style of play. Because structure sounds like it's really rigid and there's no creativity or uh, there's no creativity to it. Whereas, you know, you have your style, you have your identity, that, that's a better term. This is how we play. And it allows guys to kind of play in that framework. And you try to get the maximum maximum out of each guy's individual skills. And how does that fit inside a collective whole? So, um, yeah, I think he's done an unbelievable job of re- redefining um, the identity of the, of the organization. We're big fans here. That's for sure. It's uh, he's he's a it's a breath of fresh air. He's very candid with us, and and we're certainly uh, big fans. So keep him around. He's a, as good, long man. As he's a good man. He's, he's a, a great, good man. Great yes, man. and he's just good to people. You know, today Joe Donald was here, and Joel's three little boys are with him, and Billy was up in the box above the benches, and Billy came all the way over to see Joe and to say hi to the kids. That's organization. That's people caring about you. Everybody. Right contributes to the success of a team. It's not just hockey operations. It's it's everyone contributes to the success of your team. And that makes people feel a part of it. Those little things make people feel a part of it. And that's what makes him, that's what makes him such a good general manager in addition to his hockey mind and the direction he wants to go. It's his people skills and make mm-hmm. what he feel really, really like really special about their their ability to contribute to the organization. I think it's awesome. It's awesome. Now I want to dive in and bring you one of my particular heroes and such an inspiration, Chanel Keenan, who is really working closely with the NHL to make hockey more inclusive and not necessarily just on the diversity and, and racial side, but on disability side too. So she shares how she got involved, some of the fun that she got to have in working with the NHL and making it absolutely for everyone. Take a look. When it comes to diversity and inclusion, it seems folks like yourself or Renee Hess, I mean, we lean so hard on on you guys to do the change when really it's everybody else outside. I mean, is that what gets exhausting a little bit is because so often everyone comes right to you rather than doing some of that work yourself. We expect folks like you to to do the heavy lifting, which is absolutely not fair. It's us too, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's tricky though, because, you know, I think Renee is a teacher and um, I minored in education and, and a lot of what I do is teaching, you know, it's not so that I didn't get a degree in it and I'm definitely not an expert in any type of way, but um, it's tricky because you want them to come to you if you're in my position, you want them to ask you questions, you want them to be comfortable doing that, 
Um, even though we are also trying to have uncomfortable conversations, you know, like the Black Girl Hockey Club pledge. But um, it's tricky. I think for me, it's a balance. It's a balance of, yes, come to me when you have a question about this, but also, is this something you could have Googled or <laughs> opened the book for first? Or, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those things. And it's, it's a learning curve for everybody because, you know, you don't want to give all your energy away, you know, when you're working on other things too. So it, it is a, it's a thin line to walk. All right, let's go over to Adam Beckman, who had quite an introduction into the NHL last year. He recaps uh, what made it stand out and maybe how he needs to uh, improve on his selection of NHL players to fight. Take a look. A fighter? I didn't really know much of. How many career fights have you ever? Was that kind of your uh, your first one? Yeah, that was my first one. I I mean, did Marcus Foligno say anything to you about it at all? Like give you tips or be like, Hey, I think he joked with us that he should have told you to pick a different guy. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, the tips came after, after the math, not before, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, obviously you had a phenomenal camp. What was it like to really feel the support from the Minnesota wild fan page? This is a team that has been obviously craving and clamoring for some success. And you're a huge part of that future moving forward. What's that been like for you as a player to finally kind of be recognized and be like, Hey, they're really looking at me to uh, take this team to the next level. I don't know. I just kind of like I always mentioned, I just try to take it day by day and, and just try and, and cherish everything and, and just enjoy it as much as I can. I think, um, obviously you don't even really look at it that far ahead. Just, just try to have fun and, and enjoy, you know, all the, the stuff that gets to come with it. I think, you know, that's like I said, playing in front of the, the fans and stuff was super exciting and, you know, it gives you a taste of what, you know, someday hopefully you get to do all the time. Next up, I took a break from the episodes and I want to dive into some of those cues with the Buttes. It's one of my favorite things of the season is getting to interact with you guys, hear your questions, take a stab at answering them, especially when it comes to goaltending. In case y'all didn't know, I had a particular uh, problem with the goaltending last year. So this question about Kabul Kakinen and Cam Talbot early on in the season, mind you, uh, was one that kind of started me rolling on the goaltending issues that would plague the Minnesota Wild for a good chunk of last year, in my opinion. So take a look. He played well when he saw constant action. Yes, I mean, that's exactly the problem, right? If anybody needs confidence right now, it's a Kapo Kakinen because he has just not performed well. And it's clear that he's still carrying over probably a lack of confidence from last year because it was, he played really tremendous down the stretch that they needed him to. Mm-hmm. However, the tough thing is I can't trust him to go into the net. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those weird things. You have to really pick your team that you want to play him against because you need to get him a win. You do Coyotes. not want to put him in. Coyotes would be one, right? Like you need to put him against a team that is almost a gear. Not, I mean, nothing's a slam dunk win, but except the Coyotes, except the Coyotes, um, no, or or the Blackhawks. Um, right. You know, it's you need to get him a win, right, Alexis? Mm-hmm. Like that's the only way he does need more. It's it's a catch twenty two. Like, right, more starts. But you don't want to lose, and he needs to win. And the only way to win is to put him in the start. And it's yeah, round and round we go. All right, guys, we started this endeavor in twenty nineteen which would be great, except COVID shut us down very quickly. However, we kept charging through. Uh, and this year we reached 100 episodes, which is a milestone that I am particularly proud of, uh, especially when we had all the support from our guests and friends around us. So here is them wishing us congrats, which means the world to me and obviously holds a special place in my heart from season three. Take a look. 
Hey, congratulations, 100 episodes. Who would have ever thunk that you guys ever would get that far? But it's because you're doing a great job. We can't wait to do 100 more. Good luck and congratulations again. Hey guys, it's Charlie Coyle here. I just wanted to congratulate the Bar Down Beauties, both Jesse and Alexis, on 100 episodes. That's quite an accomplishment, ladies. Nicely done. And also, thank you for bringing me on board and making me a part of it. Here's to the next 100. Keep it going. Hey, Bar Down Butte Podcast. It's Marcus Flino. Uh, to the Bar Down Beauties, I just want to say congratulations on the 100 episodes. Uh, that is awesome. Uh, I just also want to say to Jesse, Alexis, and uh, producer Fred, um, thanks for everything that you guys have done for me and my Mollus Foundation. Uh, it really means a lot, and I really, really appreciate the support, uh, especially you guys teaming up with Soda Stick and making those awesome T-shirts. So um, always uh, rooting for you guys and supporting you guys just as much as you guys have supported me, and I just want to say thank you so much, and uh, uh, keep pumping my tires. All right, take care, guys. Thanks. Jesse and Alexis, congratulations on your 100th Bar Down Beauties episode. That is a huge milestone. I can't wait to listen to more. 100 more. Let's go. Bar Down Beauties. Congrats. Well, hello, you beauties. Audra Martin, Mark Parrish here. Wanted to say congratulations. I, uh, I hear there's a big milestone. Yeah, something about like 100 episodes I hear. I would say that's a pretty good marker. That's you guys must be doing something right. Very impressive, but you know, 100 episodes. I feel like I mean, we've been underused a little bit, girls. Oh, I think he just invited himself to be back on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, regardless, congratulations, guys. The podcast is great. You guys are doing wonderful things for the world of hockey. Here in Minnesota, keep up the great work. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll see you guys soon. <laughs> I know he wants to. Where's the phone call? Congratulations. Congratulations to the Bar Down Beauty crew on 100 episodes. That's an amazing feat. We're so excited for you guys and can't wait to listen to the next 100 episodes. So keep it up and congrats from the Zuckers. Hello, Buttes. How are you? I understand you're looking forward to show number 100. Let me tell you something. Anybody that has me on and puts up with me for an hour deserves a thousand shows. So now you're 10% of the way there. Go get them. Congratulations once again. Jesse and Alexis, my oh my, 100 episodes. Congratulations. I was a part of a couple of them. Um, you guys are doing a fantastic job. It's a fantastic podcast. Get the great content. And I wish you the best on your next 100, 200, 300 episodes. Hi, Alexis. Hi, Jesse. Congratulations. 100 episodes of the Bar Down Beauties, even down here in Florida. Uh, they are feeling the effects of such a successful run. Continued great luck. It's an awesome show. I've been privileged to be on it a couple of times. I look forward to being on it with you guys again. And what I love most about the Bar Down Beauties is we share the same passion. We love the Minnesota Wild. It's almost time to drop the puck here against Andrew Burnett and the Florida Panthers. So enjoy 100. Look forward to another 100 real soon. Thanks. Hey, Buttes. Landon here from Soda Sick. I just wanted to congratulate you guys on 100 episodes. Um, cheers to 100 more. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Love you guys. Appreciate the partnership. Cheers. Hey, this is Aaron Lowry, Wild Social Media and Buttes alumni. Wanted to congratulate the Bardown Beauties gang on 100 episodes. 
Definitely a highlight of my week listening to the podcast. So congratulations, 100 episodes is a lot. And I can't wait to listen to 100 more episodes. Congratulations again, guys. Well, congratulations to the Bar Down Beauties. Alexis, Jesse, Fred. Man, you guys are doing some magical work there with Bar Down Beauties. The only way it could be better is if it had more hashtag me. Beyond that, I think you guys are doing a smashing job. Need more selfies, more me. But beyond that, big fan of the Bar Down Beauties. Keep it up. Here's to another 100 more. Hello, my friends. I just want to congratulate you on 100 episodes of your podcast. It was an honor to be a guest, but more importantly, it is an honor to watch you both shine and continue to be badass women in the game. I'm honored to know you both, and I'm so excited for what the future holds. Congratulations. Congrats to the Bar Down Beauties podcast on 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more. Keep it up. Congratulations, Alexis and Jesse. 100 episodes of the Bar Down Beauties podcast. You're an absolute treasure in the local hockey community. All the best. Hey, I just want to give a shout out to the Bar Down Buttes, Fred, Jesse, and Alexis. Congrats on reaching 100 episodes. It's been awesome to watch you guys grow and do amazing things on air, as well as doing things off air from charity work to always being up to support others in the community. It's amazing to see, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do in the next 100 episodes, too, as you guys continue to do an awesome job. Thank you for being such great partners and looking forward to watching you guys grow further. Moving on, if you guys have not seen the Netflix special on the Danbury Trashers, uh, it is a must-watch. They have a sick logo. The whole concept of the Danbury Thrashers is absolutely ridiculous. And AJ Galante, who had started that when he was just a kid in high school, was able to take time out of his busy schedule, join us, talk about that, and have some laughs as well. And also, shout out to AJ for hooking us up with the sick gear. Uh, it's one of my favorite sweatshirts. But again, here's AJ talking about the Danbury Trashers and uh, their unique approach to hockey. I, <laughs> I'm shocked. I had never heard of this. I don't know if it's because we're in the Midwest. Like, I completely missed the story. And then Netflix came out and I was like, this is epic. I love this. <laughs> You know, that's that's something I hear every day is how did I not hear about this? But, you know, look, we were, you know, we, we were kind of just like a little regional team. Right. And, and yeah. I mean, back in back in those days, there wasn't social media. So, you know, I think today with social media and everything, I mean, you could find out something happening in a little town in Idaho today if, if, <laughs> if something happened, you know. So it's like, um yeah, I hear that a lot. How did we not hear about it? But, you know, we, it was a different time back then. You know, yeah. it's it was uh, not too many. Well, thankfully, not as many recordings, you know, so it's like <laughs> thing, things didn't really get out there that much. Bruce, there it is. Bruce, there it is. You know, we love Bruce Pedro on the Bar Down Beauties podcast. Ironically, we actually interviewed him for this honest to God hours before he was named head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. So he was just kind of hanging out with us, shooting the shit. We loved it. Uh, and here he is talking about Ryan Hartman of the Minnesota Wild and how if he thought Hartman would be a leading goal scorer for the Minnesota Wild once upon a time. Take a look. I want to talk about the Minnesota scores. And no, I'm not going to say... <laughs> no, no, I'm not even going to say Kirill Kaprizov, Bruce. I'm going to say Ryan Hartman. Did you, if I had, if you had, if I had told you that Ryan Hartman would be your, your leading scorer and you're this juggernaut of an offensive player, would you have believed me? Um, not when we got him in mm -hmm. Minnesota, I mean, he was coming off, he was a fourth line player in, um, uh, in Philly. 
He was a fourth line player in Nashville. Um, he was, you know, he was a solid third line guy in Chicago, but I don't think anybody thought that his upside, quite frankly, was what, where it is now. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, uh, I didn't get the opportunity to use him at center because we always had Stahl Koivu and, and mm-hmm. uh, Eric X. So there was no real, he would center the fourth line sometimes, but I mean, um, there, w- there wasn't that thing, but Dean, Dean obviously saw that he, he was a, four, uh, he must've had him out West or played against him out West when he was in junior and he was a centerman. So he saw that he's played him. And I mean, um, uh, it, it, obviously it was a mistake on my part. Cause I mean, this, I mean, we, we knew he could play. We just didn't know he could score as well as he yeah. could. And he's, and he's, uh, shut down all his nonsense you know like one of the things that used to be a problem with him when he was younger he would take these stupid penalties he was easy to rile up he was more of a uh, a pest and a rat type of player mm-hmm. and now that uh, you know he's playing between uh, Kaprasov and Zuccarello mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the most part he's become quite an offensive machine I think last night what did he have 10 shots on net yeah. he had yep four yep. points I mean, and it's a constant thing with him. And I, I mean, it, for me, he's the most valuable player on that team right now. I mean, 100%. Uh, you know, like, I mean, uh, playing that position, he can kill penalties. He can do wins face-offs on his right side very well. Um, good player. Good player. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, one of the very quiet reasons that Minnesota is doing as well as it, as it is. Like, I mean, uh, not household names, mm-hmm. yeah. Other than Kaprasov, is pretty mm-hmm. well the only household name that the there is. There people know the Zuccarellos, and mm-hmm. I mean, but you know, Fiala's not having a good year. So I mean, yeah, it's not right. like he's burning it up. But the Hartmans and um, guys like that uh, are are really are really having success and and pulling that team along. Right. Do you think it was that was kind of what awoke in him besides the maturity? Because I completely agree with you. I've seen him just really mature personally as as a player and and, and off the ice as well. Um, but do you think it was just a matter of putting him at center? I know he had played center a little bit last year, too. So we saw glimpses of that. And I always kind of liked him there, too. But do you think that's why the key was unlocked and he was able to find the the scoring that was maybe hidden before? Well, He's always had like a knack if you gave him an opportunity mm-hmm. to score. To score, he's got a good shot and everything. Not overly fleet of foot, mm-hmm. um, but uh, never really. Um, and he's got hockey smarts. He's got a lot of really good hockey smarts. But it just he never had that opportunity. I mean, I remember Dean saying, you know, let's try him at center, and we put him at center on the fourth line at one time. Um, and uh, and he did and he did fine, but he was more like a jack of all trades mm-hmm. because it would have been very difficult for and and maybe I should have been able to do it. I don't know, but I mean, very difficult for me at where we signed him and everything to all of a sudden say, "Hey, listen, you're my number one center <laughs> or my two center." When you got Eric Stahl and you got Miko Koivu, even though they're old, yeah. like I mean. Uh, uproot them it, at the end like I, I put Miko in the fourth line position because after his injuries he was just getting really slow it just mm-hmm. there wasn't anything you could do about it but um, uh, uh, they they found a great spot for him and and you know sometimes when you have winning teams this is what you need you need to find something that you didn't know you had mm-hmm. you know and and so now they've got 
like a top six centerman that's got 13 goals and is on his way if everything goes to a 30 goal season. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. If 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 I was hard to be a little pissed that uh, I signed a new deal this year, <laughs> this would be a perfect year to have the stats that he's having. All right. And we are going to wrap it up with another up for debate from the season. Again, another one of my favorite aspects of the Bar Down Beauties because we get to get your feelings. Plus, we get to argue banter a little bit. Uh, I'm excited to see how Kirsten Kroll does against me in that because Alexis and I had a little bit of a goaltending dispute and a little bit of an issue with how did the season go. So here's an up for debate as to what we thought went wrong with the Minnesota Wilds while they were in the start of one of their two slumps for the year. Take a listen. Segment three, our favorite up for debate this week, Alexis. You decided to go against the biggest reason for the four game slump that the Minnesota Wild are currently on. I had to literally just do that math in my head. I'm like, it's still just four games. <laughs> yeah. oh, we're on four g- I haven't changed that board in a while, I don't think. So I'm not sure. But um, biggest reason you had mentioned postponements or kind of the lack of that mm-hmm. regular scheduling routine goaltending uh you're excited about that i'm sure (laughs) lack of depth scoring uh why don't you kick it off what's your what do you think is ailing the minnesota wild on this recent slump well i feel like saying that cancellations postponements and kind of the wrench being thrown in the schedule is kind of like a cop-out saying you know like oh yeah they're not playing well because it's like everyone's dealing with that so i i feel wrong citing that as like the main reason i definitely think it has affected every team in some way shape or form but i think it's unfair to say that's the reason the wild haven't been doing well um or haven't been picking up wins lately um just because again everyone's dealing with that um and at the end of the day you should be able to put that aside and go play a game when you're told to go play a game and still when play, is your play job, well. probably, right? Like, right? Yeah. Like yeah. just go out and win. Don't worry about <laughs> if you didn't practice yesterday or the last game was canceled. So I kind of threw that one out the window, but I think it's a fun argument. Um, for me, I think the biggest reason the wild have struggled a little bit is the lack of depth, sc- depth scoring. And I was looking through some of the past scores. Cause you know, these games all become a blur at some point. So I'm like, who really has been scoring lately? And they've gotten some goals from, you know, like Nick Bukestad, Nico Sturm, like some of those guys who are on some of the, you know, third and fourth liners or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. it may be. Um, but we haven't seen as much of it as we have, as we saw at the beginning of the season where it was like, Holy cow, like every line had a point tonight or every line had two points tonight. And we haven't been seeing that as much lately. And I do think that depth is one of the biggest things you see that you can point to as a reason a team is successful. And so I think the fact that they haven't seen as much of that, um, is the reason that the wild have struggled a little bit. The other thing I will say, which isn't an option, but I do want to make the argument is that every team goes through slumps in a season. Every team is going to lose a couple games in a row. Every team is going to get blown out by a team. They shouldn't. They're not according to you half the time, but sure. Yeah. Well, they were on pace to be 82 and all at the beginning (laughs) of the season. And that, that was just the math of it. So you can't argue with the math. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And so I will say that I'm not sitting here panicking. I'm not sitting here thinking like, Oh my God, the season is over. Every team goes through this stuff. Um, but I will say that if you want to pick an analytical reason why it's maybe not working right now, the lack of depth depth scoring for me, uh, seems to be an issue. Uh, Jesse, I think I know where you might go with this, but uh, go ahead and make your argument. <laughs> I mean, obviously, all of these points are a part of it too, right? I mean, the there is that routine that players are used to. I know we had talked to Nico Sturm after the Carolina game was first postponed, and he was like, yeah, I had wasted my good salmon. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're such routine players, yeah. right? Like, they have to go through their things. They got to get their naps, and they got to do all of this. And it sounds silly, but it's what they do. That's what mm-hmm. they're used to. So that certainly throws a wrench in things without question, um, you know, and lack of 
depth scoring. I mean, in general, lack of scoring a little yeah. bit in some of these latest games, which is which is different. Um, but I will pick goaltending, not because I'm right on what's <laughs> happening, but because this was and continues to be my only concern with Cam Talbot. Mm-hmm. He is not, I don't feel ready to be like that one a where he can take the bulk on. I mean, you're starting to see those holes. I mean, the other game, um, and he was very, their last game that they played, I believe in Dallas. Dallas. Yes. He did yep. not look good. Looked awful. Not yeah. just good. Like yep. he, and he took that accountability and mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he owned up to that and absolutely, but it's like, see, this is what I, I was saying, right? <laughs> like he just, I don't have that faith. And the problem is I don't have, I have less faith in Capo Kakinen too, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially you're trying to find games that you can get him in because he also needs the minutes because you need to give Cam a break, but you can't give Cam a break <laughs> because you don't trust Kakinen. And that's what I've been saying about goaltending from the beginning, right? I know you guys keep coming at me about it, but I'm sticking to my point because this is now proving to be what I was saying. Like mm-hmm. it's it, Cam is a fine goaltender again, and he has started to steal some games and I love that, but there mm-hmm. still is just this, is he the goalie that's going to carry you through the playoffs? And I don't think so. And I don't think you have the tandem to necessarily do that um you know again if he gets back on on this high horse and i'm sure he will um i just that's been my concern so i think that's probably attributing to it i i only picked that just to get on my my uh soapbox <laughs> i mean really that's part of the reason i put reason. that as an option because i'm like i know jesse will have something to say about this so i gotta <laughs> include it in here because she's because, gonna make a few good points about this yeah i mean truthfully that's not the sole reason i wouldn't yeah right away and say oh my god because the goaltending's been terrible no i just wanted to talk about how the goaltending's not great right let now. me i know we got to wrap here quickly because you got to get going but i want to ask yeah. you a quick question about this so do you think yeah. that Cam. So obviously that Dallas game was the worst game he's had all season without a doubt. Like I don't think anyone would argue that he played not good and uh, was a big reason. I mean, the wild had, well, he let in six goals. The wild ended up losing seven to four with that empty netter. Do you think that that game was his uh, kind of breaking point of the season where we might see more of that? Or do you just think it was a slight anomaly, but that's still the reason that you don't have a ton of faith in him because you think he has more games like that in him, even though it might not become routine at this point. I mean, I think it's, it's a slight anomaly, but I also think it is, it's to the point it's a breaking point, right? Because he's been carrying the workload. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's been the biggest thing in my mind is like, you're going to see more of that because you're expecting him to play so much of those games. And I just think between age, I just, I don't know that he can handle that, you know, like Mm -hmm. he deserves that. Right. I mean, when given the options, he's your one number one without (laughs) question. Um, And last year he performed those duties very well, but again, we never saw him carry that bulk. Not only was a shortened season, but he had COVID and he was Mm -hmm. hurt. And so it's like, he never really took on that true one a last year until the playoffs. And again, he did well. And it's, I'm not saying, you know, Cam Talbot is terrible. Get rid of him. And he's why they're sucking. Like, no, not at all. I'm just saying, like, I think you're seeing it. You saw a game like you saw in Dallas Mm -hmm. because of the workload that he's been put on. And we're not even there yet. We're not even through the, the masses of it. I mean, you look ahead to March and they were playing every other day. We're not even Uh, halfway through the season yet. We're at game like 30. I think the Wilds played 31 or 32 games. Like we are like, so we're not even really that close to the halfway point of the season. I mean, it's, kind of scary (laughs) so i'll um i had like written apology letters from all of you about it about the goaltending (laughs) that you guys all thought was great it's not (laughs) great um so yeah (laughs) that's what i'm gonna leave it at all right guys we're gonna take another quick break when we come back i'll wrap it up and uh wish you all a good week as usual that's the thing that stays the same uh so a quick break and i'll be right back Okay, I want you to think of the first time you took a big hit on the ice. Maybe it was a men's adult league. Maybe you were slammed into the boards in a big game. 
or maybe it pulled a Jesse and just tripped over the blue line. Either way, it's happened. Boys hockey, girls hockey, it doesn't matter. We've all been there with our first big hits. And unfortunately, those hits can add up over time. Hockey players can end up with dizziness, headaches, and pain, and a large portion have even experienced concussion-like symptoms as a result. Thankfully, there's an answer. Dr. Tyler Stewart with Peak Vestibular Center specializes in the drug-free treatment of nagging concussion symptoms. Dr. Stewart formulated the 3A Brain Restoration Program, a comprehensive program to get to the root cause of your symptoms. He utilizes the latest technology and techniques to get you back on the path to your best life and back on the ice. If you're dealing with dizziness, headaches, or pain after taking one too many hits, contact Dr. Stewart for a complimentary consultation today. Go to dizzinesscare.com or call 715-690-2211 to schedule your complimentary consultation. That's going to do it for episode 139. Again, missing my partners, Kirsten Kroll and Fred Weinfurt. Uh, but it was something I just knocked up on myself because why not? Uh, again, I'm Jesse Pierce of the Bar Down Beauty. Shout out to sodastick.com. You can get 15% off all your purchases using code BARDOWNBEAUTIES at checkout. They've got great garb. You know it. I don't need to sell it to you anymore. Uh, shout out to Talk North for featuring us on their lovely network. Also, Peak Vestibular Senator. Go there for all of your concussion needs as hockey players. You know what happens once in a while. Go take care of it with Peak Vestibular and Dr. Tyler Stewart. Also, shout out to Grain Belt, a new sponsor of the Bar Down Beauties podcast. Not only are they just sponsoring us, supporting us, they are going to be hosting live shows with the Bardown Beauties once a month at different locations, uh, 7 p.m. Dates to be determined. Stay tuned to all of our social media channels for more information there. But shout out to them. Who doesn't love beer and hockey, right? Like it goes together like beer and hockey. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, love. You guys are awesome. We'll be back next week with part two of my favorite uh, moments from season three. Have a good one. Thank you.